Good evening. Good evening. How are you? Super swell. Yay. How was your day? Oh, not too bad at all. Um, so what the, what genre is uh, fresh for this week? Woohoo! Welcome to episode two. Episode the two. <laughs> the genre this week is fantasy. Dun, dun, dun. A genre with which I am well familiar. So I thought I was too. Um, and it turns out some of the stuff that I would have put in other categories I found in fantasy and anyway so yeah I've seen stuff that I'm proud I've seen because they're on the oh so I should sit, start by saying I found a um, a top 50 best fantasy movies of all time list oh uh-huh uh-huh it's called the 50 greatest fantasy films and it's at the uh, totalfilm.com website mm -hmm. and their their tagline is the modern guide to movies and out of the 50 i would say i've seen a solid 20 so i was i was quite pleased with myself you've probably seen 49 and a half of them um, <laughs> but there's a few that are from from early on in the history of film so without um without getting into those i chose what i deemed my favorite fantasy movie and um i'm I didn't know which one you would start with talking about, but why don't you go first? Well, uh, I would. Pro I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, what is the most influential on me fantasy movie? Because I've played fantasy games, uh, computer games, and tabletop role-playing games, and like that for yep. decades, for literally decades now, and I played them every day. Yep. In fact, well, and you're a DM, which is even more. Uh, more impressive. Um, so I was thinking that probably the film that's had the most influence on me in particular is Excalibur from mm -hmm. the uh, 80s, early 80s, I think it was. Uh, yes, sir. I remember it well. It um, influenced me a lot in it uh, shaped how I felt about uh, knights, you know, characters who are knights. And it's part of the reason why I pick knights when I uh, play games. And my very first character on uh, World of Warcraft, a very popular MMORPG that I've been playing for eight or nine years now, whatever, mm -hmm. uh, was a uh, paladin because of Excalibur. You know, I had that in the back of my head. So it informs me and uh, also about uh, wizards and things like that. Uh, it kind of brought into focus the idea of wizards casting spells by using words and things like that. And how, uh, I don't know, it's all, it's all very good. I, I enjoy it, uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. But my uh, favorite would probably, definitely, be the Lord of the Rings series. You know, mm -hmm. su super awesome production, uh, excellent story, uh, all around super awesome. Yep, so um, when I... When I first, you know, s said, okay, we're doing fantasy genre, of course, what leaps into mind absolutely immediately is Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. uh, and and now, of course, The Hobbit. Uh, right, fun right. fact about Excalibur, it's number 28 on the list of the 50 greatest fantasy films ever. And um, it was made uh, by the director after he failed to get the adaptation rights to Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So that was that was what he did instead um but when 
if anybody asks my favorite favorite fantasy movie of all time it is the princess bride oh yes and uh my daughter uh was named for mandy patinkin because of that movie that's how much i heart that movie oh really wow yeah so well and chicago hope was on at the time but that's a different podcast um so yeah i mean i just i just adore that movie with every fiber of my being it's just one of those endlessly fun and funny and touching and quotable movies that uh i'm thrilled to say you know everyone in my family enjoys and all of our friends and friends of friends and so yeah i've i've we we own it and we watch it often um but yeah when i looked at the list sort of um not all movies that I love in the fantasy genre are on this top 50 list um, but one that's on the list that I thought was funny because I would have put it solidly in comedy and that is Monty Python on the Holy Grail they consider one of the top oh, uh -huh. 50 greatest fantasy films and that is one of my favorite movies of all times as well um, other ones that I thought of though are um, of course Harry Potter the whole Harry Potter series mm -hmm. uh, some some of those are better than others and I know I have you at a, a disadvantage there because you have to finish all the bookie books before you see the movies true <clears throat> but uh, the movies are excellent you know the books are a lot of fun and the movies uh, I think the, those books are very well adapted for the movies um, and then I thought of things like Edward Scissorhands oh mm-hmm Mm -hmm. I love movies like that where I, I just love how it just, you know, yanks you around by your heartstrings the whole time, you know, I just, and it's, and set in fantasy, right? Um, yep, so. I would uh, characterize them as more uh, whimsy than fantasy. For me, fantasy is medieval and I can't get away from that association. But Edward Scissorhands, technically fantasy, oh. but I would, if I could, I would classify it as a whole genre of whimsy so would um, wizard of oz be whimsy yeah and willy wonka would be whimsy mm -hmm. yeah okay absolutely so let's save those okay so what about something like pan's labyrinth or legend or uh you know those mm -hmm. hmm that's a good question uh oh it's been so long since i've seen legend listed. These are all listed in the in the fantasy genre, or what's the other one? Um, what's the David Bo Labyrinth or Penn's Labyrinth? No, no. Well, I mean uh, no, just Labyrinth with uh, Jennifer Connelly. Wasn't Is... that David Bowie? Mm-hmm. And then there was one. Um... That's in the mid '80s, as I recall. Mm-hmm. But then there was one on. Um... Oh shoot! What's the one with the big guy where he's flying? You know, never-ending story. Oh right. Gosh, I almost broke out into song. <laughs> See, I would classify those as, as fantasy as well. <laughs> but then another one they have on their list of top 50. Well, they have a couple, um, but one is Spirited Away. And see, I would put that under anime. I wouldn't put <laughs> that under, under, anyway. Yeah, that's a good film as well. I've seen it, uh, Spirited Away. Yeah, oh, it's very I good. I love, I love that movie. Love, love. I, I showed that to my daughter when she was three years old and <laughs> I didn't realize it was going to be quite so, you know, disturbing in parts, poor thing. Anyway, <laughs> but she turned out okay and it's and grew up and it's one of her favorite movies by one of her favorite filmmakers. So, yeah. Uh, so 
I'm not going to say, but I want you to try to guess what's the number one movie. I don't think you'll get it when you think of fantasy because it this one wouldn't be in that genre. Oh, and I already mentioned it, so I blew it. Nope. <laughs> uh, oh, on the list, you mean? Or yeah. on your list? Uh, on that list? Yeah, uh, on the website list. The number one greatest fantasy film of all time. Uh, all time. King Kong. <laughs> no, I don't think. I don't. I can see that. The, don't you give that like a. Isn't that like a monster movie? Yeah, but. There, uh, it sounds like their uh, definition of fantasy is broad. <laughs> so, yep. Well, I already said it. So, uh, it starts with wizard. <laughs> <laughs> so that's their number one choice. And I don't know if I, I don't know. I mean, I I love it, and it certainly is iconic. But mm -hmm. I I would have to put Lord of the Rings at the top. I think it's their number two, by the way, Lord of the Rings. And this was made before, long before The Hobbit came out. This was done, oh, not long before The Hobbit came out, but I guess they include that. This is done in in March of this year. So, um, whenever I think of Wizard of Oz, I instantly associate it with the article on Cracked.com that explains in detail and convincingly why oh. the greatest villain is the uh, Guild of the Good Witch or Glinda. I forget her name. Glinda. Uh -huh. Yeah, Glinda, the Good Witch. See, uh, now I want to go find that. Really? Oh, yes. Oh. Uh, because um, as I as I uh, recall, it's all the movie is essentially a, a political power play for uh, Glinda. And uh, she seizes control of Oz through Dor using Dorothy. Uh, it begins with a murder. She drops, uh, the house drops on the witch, who Glinda immediately fingers as you did this look and though Dorothy had nothing to do with it nothing right. at all and, and makes <clears throat> her guiltily proceed to carry out her evil bidding and uh, uh, she gives uh, Glinda gives Dorothy the ruby slippers even though they rightfully belong to the Wicked Witch of the West right uh, so uh -huh. she theft <laughs> and then uh, she tells uh, Dorothy you have to go see the wizard in order to get home which is untrue because at the end of the movie it was all you needed to do was believe uh, she could have said that in the first place but she didn't instead she sent her to the wizard to uh, basically expose him and remove him from the scene as it were in Oz right because he's exposed for what Goodness he is. Goodness me. And then, uh, yeah, it's just stuff Sweet like that. Sweet little Glinda. All My over goodness. it. And uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty but good. But when you say it that way, so the other one that creeps me out, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but have you ever seen, well, there's so much, right? There's so much pop culture reference around this film in general. Mm -hmm. Like if you've ever seen the movie um, Wicked Game, is it? No. What was the song? That was the song from it. What was it? Uh, it was, oh my gosh, in the crazy 90s. It's David Lynch film, I think. And it's uh, uh, Nick Cage. Mm -hmm. You know, the, that crazy film. Shoot. Anyway, that, that had parallels to The Wizard of Oz all the way through it. The other thing is... Um, supposedly there's a whole supposedly the whole movie was cursed like people died on the set and there, and the and the working conditions for the little people were 
absolutely atrocious and you know there's all this horrible stuff around it but then you can see I guess in one scene if you really look for it and you know it's one of those things that you think is there if you look for it mm -hmm. you can see uh, somebody hung themselves in the back in the set oh my gosh what yeah. but it's not real like uh -huh. um, if you if you google Wizard of Oz hanging body it's <laughs> so freaking creepy <laughs> it's just an urban legend mm -hmm. but it's like you know so many people have seen it as they're watching the movie you can see you know a direct capture and they're saying that since the 80s when it all came out on vhs when people could pause their vhs's <laughs> and you could see the hanging body that they've taken it out since it's really creepy <laughs> it's, it's just a shadow probably but mm -hmm. it's so creepy um the, and then uh... the other thing is Go ahead. Oh, the article I referred to is titled Five Reasons the Greatest Movie Villain Ever is a Good Witch. And I will include the link in uh, uh, the show notes when the episode is posted so people can just okay. clicky. And and uh, I'll send you the link for the 50 greatest movies of all, uh, fantasy movies of all time. And that's it. But um, the other thing is the dark side of the moon. If you listen to the album while you're watching the movie... Uh-huh. You know, it syncs up, right? Have you heard about this? No, 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 I, no, I've never heard that at all. Oh, yeah, it's so great. Uh, hang on. Dark Side of the Moon, Wizard of Oz. Yeah. I, so, <laughs> I just like, I just love stuff like this. So, so, according to, I guess it's called, so Dark Side of the Rainbow, also known as known as Dark Side of Oz or Wizard of Floyd <laughs> refers to the pairing of the Pink Floyd album Dark Side of the Moon with the visual por portion of 1939 Wizard of Oz. So what you do is you turn off the sound of the movie and you play the album while you're watching instead. Uh -huh. And it yeah, all connects. It all kind of syncs up. Um, anyway, it's kind of it's kind of funny and the and the I guess the band has always denied, like they've always said it was a coincidence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then, I mean, David Gilmore said some guy had, with too much time on his hands, had the idea of combining these two. <laughs> anyway, it's pretty cool. I just like that the film is just so, it, it's just kind of, it's obviously got fantasy elements, but it's, um, yeah, it's got these dark undertones. It really does. Like, it's scary. It used to scare me when I was little. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be a fun little romp, you know, with rainbows and flowers <laughs> and stuff. But, dude, if you if a flying monkey picked me up and took me to the... And the castle's so scary. <laughs> <laughs> and the wizard was scary. Like, he petrified these poor creatures, all of them, you know. Mm-hmm. Even the brave tin woodsman was clanking around. He was so scared. I don't know. I can't really think of a fantasy movie that's scared me. Uh, even well, in that broad definition of, you know, f including whimsy and stuff like that. I don't have think you I seen have. Pan's Labyrinth? I have not. Shockingly. Neither have I. In fact, the one time... I have it. I own it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's sitting on a shelf of 20 feet from where I'm sitting. And it's... it's unwrapped but it's still in the case never watched because 
I was going to watch it with my daughter a couple of years ago because that's her favorite genre. She loves fantasy, loves all these movies. Anyway, and she... So I decided to do a quick read, you know, the parental guide in mornings on IMDb. Oh. And it said all this scary stuff. And so yeah. I, I read her the the parental cautions or whatever. And she's like, no, maybe not. And we never <laughs> watched it. She'd probably watch it now, no problem, because she's old enough. But at the time, she was like, oh, I don't think so. Mm-mm. So, yeah, we the weirdest thing in the world. So it just looked kind of, it just looked scary. Uh, it can be, uh, Penn's Labyrinth can be rented or bought from uh, iTunes, Vudu, Amazon, and Xbox Live. So for so $3. Be, so I can, I can see it for $3. I was going to say, let that be our, let that be our homework. Okie doke. Sold. All right. <laughs> so this says, violence and gore, 6 out of 10. Um, for warning, profanities for frightening and intense scenes is five. So I get it says it's okay for a mature kid age twelve or over. So it must have been when she was younger than twelve. Oh, but the pale man's in it. Oh, creepy! Like I just <laughs> read about it and it just seemed creepy. So now I want to see it, of course. Anyway, yeah, it's weird how, I guess, just by the word fantasy, you could just lump. A lot of things in there. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's why I try to keep it in my own head as medieval stuff. Mm-hmm. If there's a sword in it, it's probably fantasy. <laughs> you know? There you go. There you or, go. And if there's a spell in it, it's totally fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like, you know, I just like looking at this list because there's so many things. There's quite a few that I, I have seen, and I was very pleased with myself, as I said. But then there's a few that are just, they look really creepy, and now I want to see them. Oh, another one they had in there is Where the Wild Things Are. Which I have not seen. I uh, didn't read the book, and so... Well, I mean, the book takes you five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, if, yeah, so the... The book is sort of a lot more whimsical and it's a little lighter, you know, to turn a five minute children's bedtime story uh, into a two hour film where the director's making uh, political commentary or sociopolitical commentary about divorce and single parenthood. (laughs) You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. So they really, they really changed it a lot. I remember seeing the book when I was growing up, but the art style uh, turned me off. It, I did not like it to the point that it, I don't. It, the proper word is repulsed, but that's a little bit too strong of a word. Right. Uh, right. But uh, as put soon as off. I saw it, uh, yeah, it, I just it just put me off, and I said, Nah, I don't want to read that. You know, that's a very art heavy book. It's mostly the art, you know, and a little bit of text too, right? And so I was like, Nah, no, that's that's new. <laughs> you know, it's. It's very, very good. I did not like the art style either, but I liked the story. And the thing is, that wasn't what I read first by Sendak. It was In the Night Kitchen. And I loved that story so much. I loved the cadence of it. Mm-hmm. And so, and it was so wee- bizarre. And the little boy falls out of his clothes and you see his little wee. And it's so funny, like, you know, <laughs> being a little girl and seeing this little drawn pee-pee. That's really, <laughs> it's like seeing 
Michelangelo's David, you're like, oh, really? Is that all there is? You know? <laughs> and so it was just kind of, at, you know, I just thought people can do anything they want in a book. Like, I think that was the first oh. moment I realized as a child mm-hmm. they could do whatever they wanted, like anything, mm-hmm. right? Like, he can just fall out of bed and fall forever and fall out of his clothes and land in in cookie dough kind of thing so i mean it was just bizarre bread dough i guess it is or cake um (laughs) speaking of reading books i have not read the lord of the rings series even though the movies are my favorite isn't that weird all my history in fantasy and plain fantasy and you know just wallowing in it and everything like that and i've never read the lord of the rings books i just uh, for the simple reason that i well two parts i've never gotten around to it and i knew the story and if I know the story ahead of time, no matter what it is, the chances of my reading the book fall dramatically. And even, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll read a, reread a book that I've already read and things like that. But if I know too much of the story before I read the book, I, I just... Yeah, because uh, then oh. you've got to slog through all the stuff they took out for the movie, right? Mm. Yeah, I assume. Uh, yeah, I just... Meh. I, I, I have too many. I have too many other books in front of it that are more pressing. That's one of those books that if you didn't read it when you were twelve to eighteen, you're you're never going to read it in your forties. You just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's because it's a hundred hours of your life you'll never get back. Like it's just, <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, I I think I've read it three in its entirety three times, and once within the last 10 years but only because i knew it so well i could skip and hop through oh mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know the 10 page description of the loaf of bread as i call it but um <laughs> he's just phenomenal and yeah i mean obviously i guess the modern day tolkien a lot of people are comparing george martin to tolkien but it, they're they're very different in my mind you know i mean They've both created these huge worlds with this these intricate, you know, um, families and races. And yeah, the details. And so the manner in which they tell it is is sort of the same. But as far as being very prolific and taking a million years to get through the woods and stuff. But at the same time, Tolkien was a Christian, and so his he he had a reason for it. Whereas I think <clears throat> I think. Martin's is more a commentary on our own world you know mm. he sort of takes <clears throat> what would be awesome you know to be able to swoop in with a dragon and burn all your enemies <laughs> those, those republicans you know <laughs> um, or not that I'm an enemy to republicans I'm Canadian for goodness sake but <laughs> but then you know but then he also he just kind of takes the worst most atrocious behavior for from those in power or those who want wish to be in power and so it's there's a lot of parallels being drawn to what's happening in our own political climate and stuff right now but um but you know like one family's really greedy and really wealthy and so people Mm. are equating that to the bank system and stuff like that uh, but weren't the books written like 20 years ago or something oh the first one yeah i think was the early 90s yep but um yeah and stuff like that it can you can apply to almost any era well in, you can in history right but you know unlike tolkien george is alive and well mm-hmm. you know mm. god bless him and so you, you know you you hope that maybe when it's all 
neatly wrapped up and when he's finally given us the last two of his seven books he can answer some of that stuff himself <laughs> or maybe he has and I don't realize it so one one movie we forgot which I think belongs firmly in the fantasy category is Willow yeah <laughs> you're doing that again there's no knights <laughs> no 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 uh, Willow is fantasy I just didn't enjoy it very much uh, I don't recall why I saw it in the theater, and it was oh, in the 80s or 90s, and uh, I remember just being really underwhelmed by it all. Uh, I didn't hate it. I didn't so much really dislike it. It's just when I left the theater, I, I, I just remember feeling, oh, I wish I had known that it was not very good, and I could have done something else. It was 88, and... Um, yeah, I think I think it tried to do too much. I remember seeing it as well. I did not. I don't. I don't think I saw it in the theater. I did see the never-ending story in the theater. I don't think I saw this one in the theater. And I just think I remember thinking at the time that it just seemed too too much. Trust tried to do be and do too much. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, like, it could have been two movies, I guess. And wasn't it like 18 hours long or something? <laughs> so, yeah, yes, I believe the number is 18. No. <laughs> He's silly. I don't know how long it was, but it felt 18 hours long. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a random movie. That is random a, movie. Not a, a movie I saw this week that isn't, you know, tied to uh, oh, yeah. the genre that we're talking about or anything like that. And I stumbled upon it. It was a recommendation on uh, Netflix. And so I th thought I would check it out because it stars Jodie Foster and was made in 1976 and I had never heard of it at all before. And it is a very long title like uh, the, the previous movie I recommended. But this one is The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane. Oh, I've heard of it. <gasps> and the plot is very basic. A uh, little girl, uh, 13 years old, um, tells everyone played, that she has a... Foster. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, tells everyone that she has a father, uh, but no one ever sees the father, and she jealously guards her privacy, and uh, she's fixated a little bit too much on her cellar. And uh, so the implication is that her father's dead in the cellar, and she lives alone, is what, you're, uh, what the implication is. Anyway, I would recommend this movie. Uh, it's very 70s, you know, has 70s music and... It's got Martin Sheen in it. ...costumes and stuff like that. It does. And uh, I would recommend this movie because it is a very good suspense thriller. And Jodie Foster plays a very intelligent character, and she plays it well because she herself is very intelligent. And... She does a very good job acting, even though she was 15 at the time. I yeah, that she's up. phenomenal. Yeah, this was made in 1977 in Canada. Mm. Yeah, oh yeah, I, that's right. I forgot it's a French Canadian uh, production, and the uh, uh, so yeah, a very good suspense thriller. And you will the more the movie goes on, the more tense it gets. And by the end, it's oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> and oh. so uh, I would very, uh, I would highly okay. recommend this uh, this movie, the little girl who lives down the lane. The name is too long and sounds kind of dumb, but uh, and look past the '70s stuff and listen past the '70s music. Uh, just kind of put try to put that aside and concentrate on the story, 
and the actors and it uh you'll be rewarded with a very good suspense thriller hmm. yeah she's phenomenal and always has been like just amazing mm-hmm. I, lo- mm-hmm. I i haven't seen i haven't seen as many of her movies as i want to but everything i've seen her in i've never been well one movie i was disappointed in but um yeah she's great She's in, uh, most recently, Elysium in theaters yep. now. And it, it's uh, the role is very shallow. There's not enough room for her to come out so anybody could have played that role. Uh, whereas, however, in The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane, only Jodie Foster could have played that role, I dare yeah. say. Yeah, And in she's, a Contact as well. She's been spending a lot of time with her, um, with her son or her kids, I think. So she probably is only doing... Oh yeah. Smaller roles, if anything, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. If she mm-hmm. needs a, a a little bit of a, a paycheck or something, because mm-hmm. yeah, she's been sort of focused on on the family. That makes um, sense. The movie I was disappointed by, not her performance necessarily, but just the movie in general was Summersby. But of course, we can always blame that on Richard Gere, as we often do. I don't think I've ever heard of it, Summersby. Oh, well, you're lucky then. Run, don't walk. So. <laughs> Just run away. Run away. Save yourself. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Anyway, well, that's excellent. And uh, now I have a new category for us to discuss during a future week, which is whimsy. Excellent. Yay. <laughs> and that brings us up to 30 minutes, actually. Just about. Cool. Excellent. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go check out The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane. Thank you for the recommend. And uh, we don't forget our homework of Pan's Labyrinth. Okay. Hmm. I'll write that down, too. So, see everyone next week. You can find us on Facebook. Yep, at facebook.com slash 30-minute movies podcast. Excellent. All righty. Well, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.